Hey, before we dive into our podcast today, I've got an announcement. Today's episode is one of the lessons from a Bible study that I created on codependency called Godly Girl Power. Now, if you want access to the rest of this course, join the Treasured Tribe by going to www.treasuredtribe.com. And now on to today's show. Hi there, I'm Eileen Thompson, founder of Treasured Ministries. Welcome to our podcast and YouTube channel where we talk about conquering codependency God's way. You know, for years, I was unaware of my codependency struggle because it flew right under the radar of my confused Christianity and controlling tendencies to find love. But when God brought an awareness and an unraveling of codependency that would open my arms to real intimacy with Him, everything changed. Now, I'm not a psychologist or a therapist. Don't expect an expert on this channel. I don't even have a seminary degree, but I am a woman that found freedom from codependency through God dependency. And now I'm passionate about sharing this with others. So join me as we discover truth, experience freedom, and live treasured. week two of Godly Girl Power. I hope that you are enjoying the beginning of this course and just buckle up because God has lots of great things in store. So I want to give a bit of review before we jump into today's topic. As we discussed in our first week, there are three main objectives of the Godly Girl Power course. And the first one is, is to bring awareness to the coping mechanism of codependency. Now we define codependency as really a lack of God dependency. And with that definition, every Christian on some level struggles with this, right? Because we all, as we're walking with Jesus, can have the potential to depend on other people and things rather than him. Number two, we want to give you the solution for codependency. And last week, we outlined that the solution, God's solution for codependency is a revelation of his power. And that brings us to our third objective, and that is to understand more about how God's power, his supernatural power, operates in our life by looking inside of God's word, walking through the book of Ephesians, and finding that truth. All right, so we're going to step into our topic today, and I want to talk to you about literally uh, one of the biggest keys to uh, to uh, to finding that power, to un, uh, unearthing that power inside of your life, and that is intimacy. Now, we touched on this a little bit last week, and I want to just expound on that this week. You know, sometimes I think that we really mistake what intimacy with God really means. When I'm talking about intimacy, I'm not talking about do you attend church, do you read your Bible, um, do you do a lot of good things. I'm talking about that close relationship with God where you 
lay down your good works and you lay down pretending and and you just bring your full self to him that's the intimacy that that i'm talking about um and and sometimes i think that we're we're walking in our christian life and and we have a lot of uh, a lot of, of attributes about our faith that are very real and present, but we're completely missing intimacy. And inside of our passage this week, Paul invites the church to go deeper. He invites the church to go deeper. And as he's talking, it reminds me of those commercials that you hear sometimes, the infomercials where they are advertising a product and, and they talk about all the features that it has. And then it says, but wait, there's more. And I think that that's really the call to intimacy is that, you know, intimacy is something that we grow in for a lifetime with God and that we can always grow deeper in. And that was Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. He starts out in verse 15. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. And I pray constantly asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in the knowledge of our God. So Paul, as he's beginning to pray, he says, uh, you know, I've, I've heard about your strong faith and your love for other people. And so there was a, a, uh, a faith walk that the church of Ephesus had. But now he's calling them and he's praying for them. And he says constantly praying for them to grow even deeper in three areas. And the first area is in their knowledge of God. And so he, he talks about this and it's like he's saying, I know that you have strong faith and I know that you're loving people, but I'm constantly praying that God would give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I want to ask you a question. When you think about knowing God, being intimate with God, what does that mean to you? You know, God wants everything. He wants every part of us. And to know is, is really letting God into those deep, deep places of your life. And oftentimes, the intimacy inside of our life can become interrupted through idols. And we're going to talk about that today because part of walking inside of freedom of codependence is to get rid of any of those interruptions of intimacy by becoming aware of them and then bringing those things to God. Now, the first thing that I want to say is that the reason why this is so important, and we talked about this last week, is that truly, in order to experience God's power, right, because power always comes from a source, we need to plug into God's presence. 
and to be inside of his presence because you know you and I can read our Bibles we can pray but to really be in the presence of God right we need to become intimate with him you know last week when we were reading our nurse scripture um, which was just full of describing God's love for us. And, and we learned about God's love. We learned um, that in verse seven, that it's based on grace. We learned that God gives us a choice. In other words, he doesn't force us to love him back, that it's completely um, uh, uh, unconditional, that God gives us that choice and that, that, that it's all based off of the giver. In other words, we cannot earn that love. It is something that we have to receive. But the problem is, it's not that God hasn't initiated intimacy with us. It's that we have other idols in our heart and, and we that interrupt that intimacy with him. And here's the truth of the matter. A lot of times those idols in our life can be good things. They can be good things in our life. Uh, but we want to be so aware of them and, and know that the very goal is for us to get intimate with God because it is through intimacy with God that we plug into the presence of God. And as we plug into the presence of God, that's how we plug into the power source. So there is a direct relationship between you experiencing what we are calling godly girl power and your intimacy with God. But sometimes intimacy can be deceptive because we can put uh, the, the, the going to church or the church activities or all the things that we're doing that can lead us to believe that we actually have intimacy with God when God is calling us for more, just like Paul prayed for the Ephesians. You know, he was saying, I've heard of your strong faith. I've heard of your love, but look, there's something more. And, and, and so then he says, I constantly pray for you that you might know God, that you, that God would give you spiritual wisdom. Um, and, and that spiritual wisdom is only revealed through the Holy Spirit. Um, as we spend time with him, I want to pop over to the book of Philippians, uh, which is another beautiful letter that Paul wrote and listen to what he says, because, you know, Paul had religion for a long time before he flipped over into that relationship uh, with Jesus Christ. And, and here's what he says about religion. Verse seven, I once thought these things were valuable his work, his efforts, right, to be right with God. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right through him depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience his mighty power 
that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Now, a couple things about that verse 10. Number one, Paul clearly outlines that knowing Christ is, is directly related to us experiencing his power, right, inside of our life. And then also, he talks about suffering. We're going to get into that in, in a minute. But, but oftentimes, it is through the, the, uh, the pruning experiences that you have where God is taking down idols in our life that we experience his authentic presence in greater measure. Words, the first commandment that God gives us, uh, or the most greatest commandment, is that we love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then it says, and then you love your neighbors yourself. Well, the thing is, is that we have to plug into God's love before we can pour out to others. And in codependence, we learned that our circumstances uh, or other things or people that we needed to get love from them. And, and, and I want to just describe this to you the way that God's love system works. Think about a watering can. This is how it was taught to me. And I never forgot this analogy. I want to share it with you. But when you think about a watering can, a watering can is a mere vessel. In and of itself, it has no ability to nurture, uh, to nurture, uh, pour out nourishment on flowers. And in similar fashion, we are like watering cans. We are like watering cans. And in and of ourselves, we have no ability to do God's work. We have no ability to love others unless, unless, just like a watering can connects to a, uh, a source of water, right? The spigot to fill it up. And it's from that place that it can overflow from others. You and I have to plug into God's presence to receive his power and his love so that we can pour that out to others. And many of us look to people for that. We're looking to people for validation and we're looking to people uh, uh, to prove ourselves. And we feel like we have to be perfect. Why? Because we're looking to people for, and so, so we end up seeing people as the source, right? And we offer ourselves, you know, we're looking to people and they are unable to fill us up. Just like if a watering can walked up to a flower and said, fill me. See, people are here not to fill you up, right? Not to, people are here not to give you life, right? People are here for us to love. And the very first, the very starting place of this and in unraveling that codependency from our life is to further develop that intimacy with God. But our idols will interrupt our intimacy. And so we must guard our heart against any idol that we that we uh, that that could steal that from us. I want you to think about um, uh, this is another way. Stephanie Tucker has written some great resources on codependency, and this is the way that she describes it. She talks about our hearts are like the holiest of holies. 
uh, inside of uh, uh, the temple. And that, that back in the Old Testament, that you know nobody was allowed inside of that place. Only the great high priest once a year. And there were all these different circumstances uh, around that. Well, in, well, well, now you and I are the temples, right? But, but we have our hearts, and the Bible says to guard our hearts, okay? And, and one of the implications in that is to guard your intimacy with God. In other words, you cannot put another person inside of there. Your husband cannot fill this need for you. I don't care how good he is. Your children cannot fill this need for you. Um, the ministry that you're involved in cannot fill that void in your life, that, that ache for your soul. And, and anytime we have anything like that in our life, and it can be very deceptive, those idols will interrupt your intimacy. And when intimacy is interrupted, that it gets in the way of us tapping into that power source. Now, so so Paul starts out by praying, I pray that you'll know God better than verse 18. He prays for them to have confident hope. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. And in other translations, like in the ESV, it says, I pray that your eyes will be enlightened so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he's called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Now, first, we just, we just got to stop and hang our hats on that verse. Is it amazing to you or what? That we are God's rich inheritance. That God looks at you as precious and valuable. That we are his rich inheritance. I mean, that just blows my mind. That just blows my mind. But also in this verse, he says, I pray that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those that he has called. Now, the confident hope that you and I can have, uh, it doesn't come from our achievement. It doesn't come from anything inside of this world. I, I want to read to you. And then when really, when we start to put our hope in things inside of this world, and hear me, they can be good things, like things like um, having the perfect family or getting this situation fixed inside of your life. But really, really, the Bible is so clear. It tells us that, that, that God has done something inside of our hearts. Listen to this. This is Ecclesiastes 3.11. Yet God has made everything beautiful in its own, for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Now, what is that verse saying? That verse is saying that God has placed eternity into our heart. C.S. Lewis talks about something called inconsolable longings. And, and what he's talking about when he describes this, it's very beautiful, but what he's talking about as he describes this is, is basically that there's a longing and an ache that will continue inside of your soul. And that we can reason that our longing, our ache, will be fixed when this relationship is fixed or 
this uh, this provision, if you could only just hold on to this provision, or you know, it just something inside of this world. And so what happens is we lose our confidence and we lose our security whenever an idol is in the center of our heart. See, Jesus wants to be in the center and he is really the only sure thing. He's the only sure thing. And our eternity in heaven, see, when we are here, we are walking inside of this broken world and life can get very heavy. The way you and I can have that confident hope is by remembering that the very best is yet to come. And while you and I are here, yes, we receive those glimpses of glory. And that happens inside of his presence, by the way. But that everything else in this world, those things that we've placed our hope in, they could never solve, console that aching inside of your heart. And oftentimes, we have placed these things and they have become idols. We're upset with God because our family situation didn't work out and we're spinning our wheels fixing it. And God says, surrender. I'm your confident hope, right? We're upset because something is not working out inside of our children's life or, or whatever it may be. And God has said, your confident hope cannot be found in anything in this world. It can only be found in me. Verse 19, the third thing that Paul prays is for them to understand the greatness of God's power. And specifically, that power, great power, mighty power, resurrection power, that only comes from God, not people. Verse 19, it says, I pray also that you will understand the greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now listen to this. We talked about this a little bit last week. Verse 21. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him the head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete with Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. I want to jump back up uh, to verse 19. So in that prayer, he says, I pray that you'll understand that you have access to resurrection power. Number one. And that this power is great, right? But then he goes on to say that God is more powerful than people. That he has authority over people. And in codependence, what happens to us is that we walk through a traumatic experience and and it could uh it could have been all manner of things but but we were hurt and we were betrayed and inside of that moment we determined there was a perception that changed about people we reasoned that people are powerful and let me tell you something that by worldly measures, people can become pretty powerful. They have the ability to hurt. 
they have the ability to betray. But what God is saying inside of this passage is that while they might have had more power over you in that certain word, that you were betrayed, they are not more powerful than your God. They are not more powerful than your God. You see, the problem for the codependent becomes this. It's not really the people inside of our life. It is our perspective of them. And we have been taught over and over again by our circumstances to get our needs met through people. And there's an expectation that we place on people that they just can't fill. Now, and when I say this, that doesn't mean that we accept abuse. No, we're going to talk about that in later chapters. Oh yeah, we're going to talk about some boundaries. But what I want you to see inside of these passage is this, is that people cannot be an idol inside of your heart. Only God has that first place inside of our heart. That place of deep intimacy is only reserved for him. You know, as my husband is, is a godly man, but for years, for years, I wanted him to be my savior. That is only a place that Jesus can fill. Who or what have you made an idol? You know, sometimes it can be so sneaky. Sometimes, uh, as women, when things don't go well in our marriage, we put our children in a place. Like we're trying to fill that void within us. And, and sometimes we don't even see it. We're unaware of it. But basically, uh, and I say this with all manner of, of love and tenderness and of somebody that has been there and has to continually guard my heart from this. If you are a people pleaser, if you cannot say no, people are an idol in your life. And again, the problem is not with people, it's our perspective of people, right? People do not have more power than God. They do not. And back to that verse, the uh, back to that verse where we talked about that confident hope. What uh, situation or circumstance has become an idol? What thing do you worry about consistently? What is something right now, perhaps it is, that is holding in the balance that you might lose in your life and you're walking through a trial and it's shaking you to your core? Could it perhaps be that it's an idol? You know, inside of that passage that we read in Philippians, it, it talked about suffering inside of there and um, and, and inside of my life right now, I'm walking through this season of pruning. And it's painful. And sometimes when we walk through that, we can want to run away from the pain. But could it perhaps be that God is pruning you of an idol? You know, I love that Paul uses that word grow when he talks about growing in the knowledge of God because really this journey of intimacy with God is one that we take for a lifetime. Developing that intimacy is that continual 
um, giving God our hearts and asking him to search them and saying, God, is there something that I've put in my heart that's an idol, a thing or a person? And so I want to leave you today with just three points for you to consider as you move forward. One, I want you to start to go to God first. When you're looking for comfort, when you're looking for validation, I want you to go to him first. Number two, I want you to pray and ask God, Lord, search my heart. Are there any idols in my life that I'm unaware of? And you know, the beautiful thing about sanctification is that it's a work of the Holy Spirit. But by asking God, by inviting him in to identify the idols in your life, then he can make us aware of them. And God can bring you on a journey and he can make you aware of those things and those people that are taking first place. You know, the Bible talks about the fact that our relationship with Jesus, it's like a marriage relationship. And that God is jealous for you, that he doesn't want anything else to take up that place inside of your heart, right? And so when we open up and when we say, God, search me and identify anything in me that has that place, uh, then, then God will do that. And sometimes the Lord will take us on this journey, this wrestling, if you will, in our life, this pruning season that can be painful and, and to, to, to free us from it. And, and a lot of times it's not that he wants to free us from the person or the thing, Again, he wants to free you from the power that that had over your life, right? And so in that process, the pruning can be painful, but also that is the very mechanism sometimes that give us, gives us the greatest freedom and, and, and oftentimes the greatest intimacy with God. You know, I'll never forget interviewing a woman and, and she had walked through um, one of the biggest betrayals I believe that a woman can ever face, and that is infidelity. And, and, and she talked, when I interviewed her for a podcast, she talked about the fact that it was in those times that she felt this deep intimacy with God, right? Because, because the thing that she had put her hope in, you know, that having that perfect feeling, all that had been lost. And there's something that happens when we lose in our life, we gain. Have you ever walked through a valley with God and, and life was falling down around you, but his presence was so thick, right? And that's the beautiful thing about being a child of God. That God wants to, that whatever it is that you're facing, that you know that somehow, some way, that you can get through. And sometimes it's this painful pruning the seasons, right, that take the idols out of our life. You see, as much as there is a God that loves you, there's an enemy out there that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And when we become a Christian, that's just the very first step. And really, it's like when you become a Christian, the battle line is drawn and it's battle for your heart. And our idols can interrupt our intimacy. And God invites us to lay it all down. That we may come to him. 
and find intimacy and confident hope and power, godly girl power, to face whatever battle we may be facing.